Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm with Jonathan uh, for Dugba. These are really busy times up in Scandinavia, right in the heart of the season. The European qualifying matches have recently started as well. Jonathan, I'm sure you've been a really busy bee. I hope you're keeping uh, well, my friend. Hi, Steve, everyone. Good to uh, good to be with you, my friend. And, of course, we're back for another week's episode. Like you said, there's a lot going on. And I hope you're doing well too. I mean, we've got, for one, we've got a ton of listener questions to go through, plus Europe, plus both leagues. So I've got a feeling we're going to be pretty busy in this episode. But uh, how are you, my friend? I'm I'm quite well, thank you. I was actually involved in a cup final tonight. I was playing cricket in a cup final. Uh, first one I've been involved in in about 10 years. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a winner's medal. But um, it's the taking part that counts. Uh, no, not really. It's the winning that counts. But... Um, yeah, I'm doing all right. I ha- I must say that a bit of congratulations in order for you. Well, I think you were celebrating your birthday last week, I do believe. So many happy returns, uh, belated happy returns for uh, last week. Uh, I won't reveal your age, but um, I know <laughs> yeah, you've got but... a bit of cake here on on on, on the side. Touchy subject, the these, touchy subject these days. I'm definitely uh, if I was football manager, mate, I'd be I'd be close to ret- close to hanging up my boot. <laughs> but. Um... Yeah, so yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, last week I was actually when we our normal recording slot, I was having a a juicy curry, mate. To be fair, so sorry for our listeners, maybe, but obviously we did have um we did have uh, a bonus episode come out last week on Acor Adams. Um, for those of you on patreoncom slash podcast, of course, exclusive uh, player analysis. We have Benny Troy, who's of course left the league now, and we've now got Acor Adams, who's about to leave the league now. So I know one of the patrons is definitely uh definitely active, isn't aren't they somewhere? But, um. But yeah, I think we're gonna get get into the get into these European games because this is the time of the year where it's always a nice time of the year, isn't it, Steve? Where we, our teams could potentially meet each other, um, and we've got European ties to look forward to. Obviously, midweek football. Um, for those of you who maybe we, I don't think we really talked about it, but the Hack and TNS game a couple of weeks ago, I have to tell you, Steve, I really enjoyed watching that on um, or like on HD TV on Segoria. <laughs> I was absolutely loving it watching Bill Svenskan. In my living room, like properly massive screen. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that. So hopefully we get a few more ties like that. But um, I guess I guess we can start with a couple of listener questions and then we can get into the discussion. Uh, we've got Melvin uh, at Malmberg Melvin who says, "Who do you think will win between Hack and the Mulder in a potential Champions League clash?" Uh, we've also got a couple of questions about just the general who do we think will win in each each tie and stuff like that. So I guess the best place to start, Steve, is maybe do you want to give bit of a rundown of the, the ties we have this week coming yeah. um, in Champions League and then maybe Conference League and we can then have a little discussion about each team. Yeah, certainly. And by the way, I was really enjoying watching, uh, I watched both legs actually on the Welsh channel over here on HD. And it's funny because uh, obviously, you know, the Welsh language is piping out. I had the, the wife was on the sofa um, and about, I think just into the second half, she was saying something like, what language is this? <laughs> <laughs> Because it's 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 a lovely sounding language, Welsh. I really love it. Um, I've been to Wales many times, and I think I think they're fantastic people. And there's a, um, but it, it's remarkably similar to English in some ways. The, the some of the expressions that come out, and um, I think my wife was a bit um, worried that she uh, somehow finally realised after about fifty minutes that she'd actually been listening to a different language. So um, <laughs> it was. Uh, a very interesting watch in in my house my household. 
Yeah, you um, get sort of, um, I mean, I don't speak Welsh, so, you know, it's a beautiful language. And obviously, we're not going to move into, into a her- Welsh heritage discussion, but, you know, in terms of, <laughs> I think there's a lot of work being done, isn't there, from sort of like Welsh people, nationalists, to keep the language going, because obviously English is like yeah. so predominant. But I did enjoy, I do enjoy the tones, and you're like, you don't really, I don't understand a word they're saying, basically, but it'll be Brilliant. like, a bit of like, well, chat like the little, 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 Ibrahim Sadiq, like just like out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's brilliant. I absolutely love it. Anyone who's listening who speaks Welsh, keep at it and keep that language going because yeah. um, it's brilliant. Um, I know you're a man of ling- languages as well, Jonathan, and uh, yeah, that sort of stuff. Um, I really love uh, love languages around the world. But uh, yeah, going back to the game, I can obviously got through pretty comfortably over two legs there. Reward is a match against the Faroese champions, K.I. Klasvik, who I have to say um, had one of the biggest shock wins in ever, really, I can remember in um, Champions League history. They went and beat Ferran Tavaros 3-0 away from home. They drew the first leg 0-0, which was a massive shock. And then they went to Hungary and won 3-0. And they were there was something like a 12-1 underdog. Like, there's no way. I would, ever would have foreseen them getting a 3-0 win away from the home there. So, you know, I actually watched that first leg. They're very physical side. They're going to cause Hecken some physical issues. Um, yeah, think of the most phys- physical sides in, in the Ausvenskan, maybe like a Varberg or something, but maybe a bit better quality. Um, so they will be tested in that respect, but Hecken will be the favourites over the two legs. Now, there is a mouth-watering prospect for us after that. Um, because the winners of that tie do face HJK Helsinki, the Finnish champions, or Molder, the Norwegian champion. So already we've got an interesting clash there. Molder will be the favourites over two legs to beat the Finnish champions. Um, and we had this last year. It was nearly uh, Malmo against Buda Glimt. Malmo let us down. We, we were desperate for that matchup. But So hopefully this year we finally get a champions of Norway against the champions, champions of Sweden, Although I'm sure HJK and KI listeners will be hoping for the opposite. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, you know, I feel like we should probably talk about the team maybe whilst we discuss them as well. In terms of hacking, um, may as well sort of just get right into them. You've just mentioned their physical team. Do you know what, Steve? I'm not. I'm not convinced they're gonna. I think they've done. I think Classic have done um, every Scandinavian team a massive favour because I think French Varos, you'd have expected them to probably cruise through that entire. Um, you know. Uh, bracket, bracket, wouldn't you? I would have thought maybe. So it's a massive shock. Yeah. It now opens up for every every um, Nordic team, really, especially the fact they've all been drawn against each other. But um, how can they having a bit of a wobble, Steve? I mean, the weekend just gone. They've just lost one nil at Varnamo, and I have to say, I watched the game and I thought that Varnamo were good value for their win in the end of the day. Um, friend of the pod, Sam Hart, give him a shout out. I don't know if he's listening, but uh, he 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 mentioned a player. Um, a Jay who started in midfield for Varnamo and he would look really good. I know Sam does a bit of work in Ghana and places like that. And um, he, he had flagged him and uh, he made his, I think it was his league debut and he was, he looked phenomenal in midfield. I thought he was really good. Might be a talent to watch in future. Um, and in general, Varnamo were just, were just, you know, Hakan, I thought were really sluggish, Steve. Um, and I thought they really felt the loss of Benny Traore. Like Ola Kamara started, he was subbed at half time. I, I can't see a future for him really, based on how he's playing. Um, they brought on Layuni, of course, who got two goals in the week before against Bromo Poikina on his debut, uh, Osvenskan debut. Um, he couldn't really do much either. Um, their Gustav, one of the Gustafsson twins was injured. And I have to say, Steve, 
if you'd have asked me like two a month ago or so, I'd have said that Hacking could walk through this this whole qualifier. I would I would fancy them against Mulder even. But um if you're saying to me that Klaxvik are quite a physical team, I think that's I think that's something that Hacken might struggle up against. Because I feel like the schedule has had a bit of an impact on them. And that, that defeat against Vinyl was very out of character. Um and I, I do think they still need a, a forward. I think they're gonna be in the market to try and get someone in as soon as possible to replace Benny Traore because they really look a bit light without him. So um, I do think this this could be quite an open tie. I, I don't know the quality of class fit. You'll tell me more. But I do feel like this isn't as much of a given as I would have probably said like two weeks ago or so with Hacking because I feel like they are just having a little bit of a wobble. The one thing I will say that class fit don't have now, they don't have the surprise factor on their side because everyone is going to be a lot more ready for them again. You know, they would have sat up when they see them beat Ferenc Varos 3-0. So there's no way Hecken will go into that game with any sort of complacency or anything like that. I agree with you. I watched a bit of that Varnamo game as well. Varnamo are an absolute devil of an opponent, aren't they, for when they're an underdog, I must say. But um, I think they lost 1-0 against Halmstad as well early in the season. I think there was another match where they lost 1-0 at Diff. So Hecken do have some issues against that sort of side maybe, but um, you've got to think overall, even though they haven't got Benny Troy right now, a bit of extra quality, especially in the home leg, which will be the second leg, may well unlock Klaxvik, but they, there's no guarantee they'll go there and beat them. I think a draw in uh, the Faroes is not a bad result at all. They're, they're, they're really, you think about Stoke City on steroids, like the long throw, it's it's not a very wide pitch. So that throwing goes well into the penalty area. You know, corners and free kicks, big lads up there trying to make a nuisance of themselves. That's what they're going to be dealing with in the Pharaohs. So no no gimme for Heckham, but um I mean I think over two legs, I would personally expect them to go through. But um you know, after you've got Claxford deserve some respect now after that result against Ferenc Farris, don't they really? Um, yeah, I think it will be a bit of a battle, like you said. And um, I'm just looking at who's going to be battling in, in that team. And if you look at the fixtures, Steve, they're hacking to play in Elfsborg this week, and that's going to be a massive game in the title race as well. So they've got to keep that in the back of their mind. So I really think this is a huge week for Hacken, just not only in Europe, but in you know in the um, in the in the, in the Champions, sorry, in the in the league as well. Uh, they've just made a lot of money from the Gothia Cup, which was last week, the world's biggest youth tournament, a fantastic occasion. Uh, I was sad not to be there, but um, I do love the Gothia Cup. Uh, but if we move on to Mulder before we make our predictions for both teams, uh, they had a game on Saturday, Stephen. It's a massive win against Salzburg, isn't it? 5-1. Um, not necessarily a team that have been thrashing teams too much this season, Mulder, but uh, Eric Catalano with a hat-trick and then Lovic and Linus um, scoring as well. How much confidence do you think this gives them going into a sort of quite a big game against, uh, against uh, HJK Finnish opposition? A lot of confidence. I actually think Mulder are playing the best football out of any team in the Elite Serien right now. Um, it's been well documented at the start of the season. They dropped a lot of daft points, really. Some strange games where their metrics were still very good, but they're they're now winning a lot of game, a lot of matches, and it's not the style they're doing it as well is very impressive. Um, you know, five one four nil in the last two matches. They're actually now really uh, making the most of this squad. They're rotating players. The manager's put some guys in, like Eric Kitalano has been in magnificent form. He was on the bench for most of the season. Suddenly, he's been thrown into the first team starting regularly, and he's made the most of it. Um, they look a well-oiled side again. I mean, they battered Bram, um, ninth of uh, 
July 2-0. It could have been six or seven um, and probably four or five by half time. So I'm really quite optimistic for Mulder. I think they're hitting form. This doesn't always happen. Often it's the opposite, you know, in Europe. These teams from the previous season just lose players and, and, and they're never quite right for the European campaign. But they are absolutely hitting top form heading into this uh, these qualifiers. And I tell you what, with a bit of luck um, and, and and all that, there's every chance Mulder can be thinking we can make the group stage of this Champions League if they keep playing football like this. So I'm extremely impressed with them right now. I think playing better football than anyone in, in Norway. There you go. And just looking at HJK's results at the weekend, they got a 1-0 win against Ilvers. They're currently third in the Finnish league, four points uh, behind SJK. I believe the manager of SJK follows us on Twitter as well. So I think they sacked their manager, HJK, recently. Um, something like that. So they're in a bit of a... I mean, for them to be only third in their league is quite a crisis, really, I would say. Yeah. So um, let's hear it then, Steve. What do you, I mean, it sounds pretty conclusive there, but who are you calling to go through in this one? I think Mulder will win both legs and go through 5-1 on aggregate. 5-1. Uh, and yeah, I've said that I think Hacken will probably just sneak through maybe by one goal. So I think maybe could be a scrappy one all, then maybe at home. I think they beat them maybe 2-1 or maybe even 3-1. Um, so let's answer the listener question that did come in. If that scenario was to take place. Um, we won't discuss it too much because there's no point talking about things that don't exist. Um, as wrestling fans may may know. <laughs> but um, who do you think will win between Hacken and Mulder in a potential Champions League clash? I'm going to have to go for Mulder because I just think they're the more complete team overall. I think they are better defensively than Hecken. They've got probably slightly better structure than Hecken. And also, unfortunately, Hecken, I think their team has been slightly weakened um, since they won the title. So I would go Mulder. What do you, what do you think? I've not watched enough of Mulder to say. So I'm going to watch this first leg and get back to you. <laughs> on that one. I love that answer, Jonathan. I like an, I like to be informed rather than just a random uh, punt. But uh, I think you've you've watched a lot of both, so I, I do take your opinion. There'll seriously. be goals. You know, I'll tell you one thing: there'll be plenty of goals oh, if they really both exciting. teams met. It'll be really exciting. We, I think we might need yeah. a Nordic Nordic trip there maybe for that one. Um, <laughs> by the way, I do like wrestling. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ric Flair. Ric Flair memes. If you've seen Ric Flair memes on Instagram, that's a brilliant account. Uh, so not, I'm not taking shots at wrestling for no reason. Uh, it comes from a place of love. Um, but let's move on, Steve. Uh, on on the later in the week, we've got Conference League. So let's just yes. overview. Yeah, you want to a lot of matches. Yeah, so we've, I'm just going down here and talking about the teams from Norway and Sweden. We've got uh, Jorgan against Luzern. I was actually in Luzern um, just a few weeks ago. Uh, saw the stadium from a cable car. Um, we've got Buda Glimter in action against Bohemians of uh, the Czech Republic. Kalmar are against Punic from uh, Armenia. Um, we have got Crusaders, Northern Ireland against Rosenborg. Someone tweeted in they've got a ticket for that game. I think it might have been Showtime Barisha. Um, he's off to that game, first leg. And who am I missing off? I feel like I'm missing someone off here, Jonathan. Um, there's so many bloody damn games. Hammerby. I think that might be it. Hammerby, Twente against FC Twente. I've said in my best Steve McLaren impression <laughs> against uh, Hammerby. So let's start there, actually, because you actually um, tweeted something on the NFP account of the weekend 
that you believe that Torrente would be licking their lips at the prospect of playing this Hammerby side. So uh, you you don't give the, the Swedish outfit too much of a chance in this one. Well, I just said to you sort of before we came on, on air recording, um, I, I think this is going to be a beating. Uh, I worry for Hammerby. Um, someone did actually ask a question, which is a little bit... I didn't even retweet it because I think he follows us, but it was a bit of a shot at Marty Cifuentes. Um Let me see if I can just quickly find it. It was something about uh, the season I haven't been so far, basically. But uh, yeah, Sean at Seager underscore 23 said, is Marty Cifuentes slowly destroying the chance of him getting a higher regarded manager position somewhere in Europe, which is pretty damning. But listen, they're not doing well this season, Steve. They lost at the weekend against Robert Poikina. Um it was a fairly open game, but I have to say that I thought Bromba Poikin had more fight in them, uh, which is a crazy thing to say, really, for a team like Hammerby. I thought going into this match, they'd just dominate. It's their Stockholm rivals, do you know what I mean? I thought usually the bigger team in that sort of derby match turns up, if you get what I mean. It's pride on, pride's at stake. And of the big three in Stockholm, of course, Bromba Poikin are kind of like comfortably fourth. So, um, you know, they're like the little brother of every other team in Stockholm. So for, for them to sort of punch be on the nose was really surprising, I have to say. Uh, they played really well, um, fully deserved the win, I thought. Uh, obviously, Hammerby did hit the post and there were a few one or two incidents, but listen, Steve, FC20 is a totally different level to Bromapoy and uh, I think they're going to batter them, to be honest. I, I see this I see this aggregate win being about 5 nil, or maybe, you know, maybe a little bit more. I've said it before with Hammerby, the, t- the problem with them is that they're always, they're always a team that's going to be good tomorrow, but tomorrow never comes, Steve. You know, because at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're always building players to sell on. And um, by the time they're good, it's too late because you, the league's gone. So I've regularly questioned Hammerby in terms of what is their strategy? Do they just want to sell players and bring in young players and, and just do that forever? Like, or do they want to win titles at some point? You know, the, the Spurs tag is very apt for them, I think. And listen, there's nothing wrong with player development. Like, I think, you know, they've got a massive fan base. They're, they're a really well-supported club. We just got support. We just got followed today, actually, by um, Hammerby uh, tw- uh, YouTube account, so I want to give a shout out to Wolf's Eye 92. Uh, they've only got 22 followers, but I had a little look at their stuff and it looks quite good. So, um, I don't know if they're listening to this, they just followed us today, but yeah, if you are, then give us a shout out because, um, yeah, I like the work you're doing, but yeah, Hammond be a quite a big club, and um, I just think that I, they're gonna have they're not just they, they've got quite a young squad, it's not the most mobile team, I don't think, and I think they're gonna really struggle against 20 on that pitch. Um, away from home, so yeah, I don't see this going well, Steve. I think three nil could I could easily see a three nil tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes, wasn't that a Bond film? <laughs> I'm trying to think, it was something like that. Now, I think it might have been tomorrow never comes, but um, I mean, will they die another day? That's the, that's the <laughs> other question with Amaby. Um, there, I, I, I watch Amaby quite a bit, and um, I have a problem with them. I, I've not a clue which version is going to show up, so that. That's a difficult thing, isn't it, in football when a side's got more faces than Big Ben? You know, you nearly supported them at one point. You, you were, you were, you were borderline. They are my favorite. They are my favorite team in Stockholm. You were the borderline supporting them. It might have been a Hammerby shirt on the uh, on your wall. Probably That's, my most, uh... probably my most favorite team in Stockholm. But at the minute, yeah, I mean, I, we've talked about Sifuentes a few times. I still think he's a good manager. And you look, a teams can have a poor year, and yeah, yeah. That's just, by the way, that's football, by the way. It? By the way, I would defend Sifuentes in this situation because mm. I don't think he's actually in control of um, player player like recruitment there in terms of of like he's not a stupid man. He's a clever man. I'm, I'm sure he would want more established players 
um, to build a squad with a bit more experience, but they always just have really young talents. And don't get me wrong, they're really good young talents. These players are all going to go on to have great careers and they're like, they'll probably all be sold within a year to, for big money. So it's not really a criticism of the players or the manager. It's just Hammerby as an organisation, they, you know, they, they do tend to sort of play those young talents so they can develop them. You know, I think you're kind of Victor Yukanovic is a fantastic young talent. I think he's been exceptional this season. Probably the best, their best player um, of those young crop. Um, but yeah, my prediction for that one is a comfortable win. Um, just to run through the rest of them quite quickly so we can move on. I think from a Swedish point of view, of course, I think Jurgarden Luzern is going to be a fascinating tie. Um, what version of Jurgarden is going to show up, we don't know. Obviously, they've just lost 4 0 against Elsborg at home, which we're going to talk about. I'm looking forward to discussing that in the Swedish section. Um, so I find that one really hard to predict, of course. Uh, without knowing too much about Luzern, Steve, you might have an, uh, an opinion. But let's just quickly move on to the um, Norwegian teams as well. Glimp, Bohemians, Crusaders, Rosenborg. What are your thoughts on those two games in terms of who goes through? I think, with no disrespect to, to Northern Ireland teams... Oh, sorry, and I've, I've forgotten Kalmar, by the way, so we won't, we won't forget them, but we'll come back to them in a bit. Yeah, Crusaders. Um, no, Rosenborg should be beating them, really. And Rosenborg have actually now won the last two games. We probably won't talk about them that much in this in this episode, but they have they are looking a lot better now. So um, I think, and for Rosenborg, their priority now is going to be European football this season as well because they're not going to finish in the medal positions. Realistically, they're not going to go down. So European football is really big for them. I think they'll be putting the heart and soul into this qualifying campaign. So I'd be surprised if um, they don't get past the Crusaders, uh, the winners of. That tie could potentially be facing Scottish opposition, uh, Hearts. I think Hearts are already through the next round, um, or might be through the next round uh, anyway. But um, so that's my prediction there is Rosenborg fairly comfortably, I think, over two legs. They might not win in Northern Ireland, but this should, should comfortably win at home. Buda Glimt against Bohemians. I've got to admit, Czech football is not an area of my expertise at all, uh, to be honest, Jonathan. So I'm actually not really going to give too much of a prediction here. Um, you would probably expect Limp to win, but maybe Bohemians are better than we think. So what I'll, ask you, what I'll ask you instead then, tell me about the 16-year-old at Rosenborg, Sphere House of Nipan. A lot of talk about him I saw on, on social media. Mm, he scored. Scored the winner. He scored a goal, the it? winning goal, yeah. Yeah, it was um, a bit of a lucky goal. I thought um, kind of the keeper was involved in the deflection here and there, but yeah, he put himself about. And one thing I noticed about this Rosenborg team at the weekend, there's a lot of youngsters in it now. And whether this is a, a thing that Svein Marlin is, is bringing into the, into the fold. Now he's taken over as manager. I've, I've said for years, haven't I? They've been crying out to promote more of the youngsters into the team, not just the really good ones. Um, so it was actually really good to see. Um, I'm just going to get the, the whole lineup in the bench now, but um, yeah, I see James really Nelson up front, twenty year old. Yeah, there's some real youth in in there, uh, Jonathan. Over, you know, not just uh, on the starting eleven. I mean, Leo Cornick at the back. You got Ed Pereira at left back. Nipan, um, you know, Nelson. I think Nelson's actually come into his own recently. Um, there's not, there wasn't an old team, and the this Rosenborg lineup has been really old in the last few years. So, I, I like it. I like the direction that they're heading. Some, I mean, some of this is because of injuries and it's been forced on him, but um, I really noticed the athleticism and the pace and the closing down and, and the enthusiasm and the energy. Yeah, I like the direction they're heading in suddenly. 
Okay, so it's hard to tell, obviously, the opposition. You know, there's no point predicting if you don't know the opposition. Well, the booty didn't get that one. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. No, that's fine. It's fine. In terms of uh, Kalmar against Punit, I just give a shout out uh, to Over Peterson. Uh, we need to get him on the pod at some point. He, he livens up my weekend every weekend. If you don't know about him, he's someone on Twitter who um, does sort of these match previews. He reminds me of a sort of old old man sort of version of Super Mario. Uh, he's a delightful character. And um, yeah, we wish Kalmar well, just for him as well as our good friend Wasson on the show. We're going to talk about Kalmar a little bit in the Swedish section as well. That game against Viber Boys was a bit of controversy in that one. Um, but yeah, I th- I've got to be honest. I think Kalmar's lack of experience in Europe and quite a thin squad. I think that might might um, bite them a little bit. I don't know a huge amount about Punic, so maybe they could they could pull out an upset. Um, I noticed Radjevic was taken off the week in this game after 60 minutes, maybe potentially saving him for Europe, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I have to say I, I probably would fear for Kama just based on the level of maybe uh, a team um, in that league. Punic, from what I understand, are, are not too bad. So I watched Punic. Uh, I watched Punic in the previous round, believe it or not. Um, and it's a tough place to go. I think Kalmar need to win the first leg at home. Otherwise, they'll head out, in my opinion. So if they don't get a result in the first leg, they're in massive trouble because it's a, it's just an awkward place to go. Armenia and you know, the crowd really get behind them over there. And it's they're going to struggle in that way, leg, in my opinion. Yeah, and of course, if they actually win that game... Um... It's match 17, I believe, Steve, they would play... Buda Glimt or Bohemians. They could play Buda Glimt, which would be incredible, especially for Ricardo Friedrich. He's had a few sending offs in the last few weeks, but he's um, you know, obviously a former club is Buda Glimt, so that would be very special for him. He's not suspended for the European game, so I'm sure he'd be happy about that. Uh, let's move on then. We've done the European ties, more or less, Steve. Is there anything else we need to touch upon? Or can we I think get into the... we can get stuck into other areas now. Let's do it then. Uh, should we flip a coin? Sweden or Norway? Where where do you fancy? Um, well, I think uh, it might be a good uh, section just to do uh, filling a few things with Norway. Um, Let's do to, it. To, to, to do it. So uh, I know I'm going to talk a little bit about Obos in this section, uh, which makes a bit of a difference. And also a couple of teams which don't get a mention that often about Elitisarian matters. So, um, yeah, quiz me away, Jonathan. Also a few questions, of course. Yeah, we've got a ton of listener questions. So if we don't get to read out your question, then we, we do appreciate you at Nordic Footpod. Um, and also questions on YouTube that come up every now and then. We really appreciate your support on both both platforms. Um, I mean, Steve, I like I said to you, of course, we discussed it beforehand. We're gonna, this episode, we're going to give a bit of a limelight to some of the teams we haven't necessarily given a huge amount of limelight in recent weeks. So the likes of Kalmar, we've got Ham Cam coming up in a minute, odd even. Uh, odd even. Um, <laughs> Varberg, we're going to discuss a little bit in detail as well. Serious. So a few sort of um, teams under the radar maybe going to get a bit of love as well as the bigger boys. Uh, so let me start you off with a listener question. Um, you were right about Showtime Borussia, by the way. He tweeted us ticket bought for the Crusaders Rosenborg game. So loyal supporter of the podcast at Borussia Show. I hope you enjoyed that one. Um, I'll start with his question, actually, Steve. Is there anyone you can see that will get close to Glimp this season? Or are they going to cruise to the league title? And just tell us how they got on this weekend as well. Uh, Buddy Glimpse at one point were actually losing this weekend 2 1 at Sanderfjord, which is the equivalent of uh, Manchester City going 2 1 down against the team in the in the relegation zone. Uh, it was a big shock where they came back to win 5 2. They should win the title from here just because of the start that they've had to the season, but they have 
shown signs recently of uh, you know, chinks in their armour. They dropped a few points. I think Buda Glimt only play for certain periods in games now. I think they like, are intense for 20, 25 minutes, but then ease off the gas a bit. And I think that might be uh, perhaps they're looking at the whole season in terms of European matches, making sure they stay fresh for the whole campaign all the way through to December. Um, so it might be quite smart, whereas in the past they would be gung-ho for 90 minutes full on and they'd be battering teams. They don't always rack, rack up the score now. Um, but they should win the league. Like I said before, the one team that could catch them, uh, well, not, they can't not catch them, but the one team that uh, have got the quality, that got the squad is Mulder. Only now are they starting to find the form. They've got a massive uh, 12 points to find, though, with only 14 games remaining, which I think is too much. Um, even if Mulder won every single game remaining, I think Budaglint would still win the title. So, although it would be, it would certainly make them sweat. I think they're the only team. You know, there will be Viking fans listening to this. There will be Tromso fans listening to this. Maybe even Brand fans listening who are thinking, you know what, we can, we can still give it a go here. But in my personal opinion, Mulder are the only team that could um, catch yeah. them because they've just got the quality. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the tables, you sent there, Viking second, they've got a game in hand on Glimt, and if they win the game in hand, they'll be six points off it. So, of course, there's some hope for Viking fans playing quite well at the moment. I think we probably do need to have a chat about them at some point, Steve. Uh, mm. I feel like they've gone under the radar slightly a little bit at times. They have, a um, little bit, yeah. Let's discuss a different lifting question, though, on, on the same subject. Uh, how have Budu adapted to the departures of Vettelson and Mvuka? And that's a question from Guppy FPL at Guppy Fish. Yeah, good uh, good question. Thanks for that one. I think the right wing area is a lot easier for them to um, replace. And Vuka was operating there, cutting inside. So Nino uh, Zugay came in for a bit. He's injured once more. I wish he could stay fit because I think there's a great player in him. Uh, but Sandre Surly came in uh, the weekend, uh, last few weeks. Um, he missed most of last year. I think it was ACL. But another inverted winger type player who cuts in off the right-hand side. It's like a conveyor belt. Budaglimp have a conveyor belt of talent there in that spot. Vettelson's position is a bit harder to replace, but they have signed Tobias Gullickson from Sromsgodse. I think the transfer goes through 1st of August. He will be a like-for-like replacement for Ugo Vettelson, and I think he will go from strength to strength. That's a fantastic addition to replace Vettelson with. Yeah, I have to say it's a testament to Glimp's recruitment. They seem to one thing about them, the reason they've been top for quite a few years now, and this is probably the third or fourth year we've been talking about Glimp, and it does seem to me, Steve, that their recruitment is quite on point. They're almost getting into sort of a buy-in situation, aren't they, where they take the best players from like the other teams in the league because of the finances maybe, and that also takes t- good talent ID, doesn't it? You need to spot these players and, and, and go all out for them. Um, stop teams like Rosenborg getting them, you know, who are traditionally yeah. maybe a little bit bigger. So fair play to, to Glimp for that because we, you know, we, we probably haven't spoken about them a huge amount. Um, this season, we have answered this question uh, from Matthew Gurney at Messi RAFC. Uh, I'm just going to give him a quick shout out. We have answered this question from Messi G- Matthew Gurney. He said, "Excluding Buda, who do you think will get the remaining European spots this season? Uh, and how do you think that all the Norwegian clubs will fare in Europe, especially considering the upturning results for Molde and RBK, which we've kind of discussed?" But yeah, thanks for the question, Matthew. Hope you enjoyed that section we just put together now. Uh, I think I'm going to move on to... Oh, there's a fun one here from Jimmy Driver. I'll save it, though, for a minute. 
we're gonna have to talk about VAR, aren't we? Oh well, just before oh, VAR, I will, let me just do a top four prediction now, and, and I'm gonna go Budiglim, Molder, Viking, um, and go. On, we'll put Tromso in fourth just to appease the the Tromso uh, listeners. But yeah, go on v- VAR then. Okay. I can't believe um, this. Every well, single week. Since you're skipping week. to Tromso, since you're skipping to we're gonna. I'm gonna ask. Carl will get his question, but you don't have to answer it because we have talked about Tromsø quite a few times. We had a lot of questions about them in recent weeks. But at Carl underscore Woodgate, thanks a lot for asking your question. What's the reason behind the strong season by Tromsø? And do you feel it will continue or it will drop off like Lillestrøm last season? Just just answer the last part of that question, Steve, because I know you've talked about them on recent weeks quite a lot in terms of how they've been doing this season. Just tell us, do you think they'll next season, do you think they'll drop off or do you think this is something that a trend that can continue in, in 30 seconds? Um, what's the reason behind them doing well? Good recruitment, good managerial tactics, good setup behind the scenes. Can they continue it? Possibly, because I like the direction that club's going. Just you, you know, you just look at certain clubs and you think, yeah, they're well run, they're going in the right direction. Positivity. So yeah, there's no. I think Tromso are a club on the up, and um, it's not a bad time to to side with them. If they play the cards right, they can be a top half elite Serian club regularly in my opinion. Great stuff. Thank you for your question, uh, Carl, um, as well as the other questions we have from everyone. We've got some really good questions this week, as I've mentioned. Um, so I'm going to move on to yeah the VAR question, which we can't avoid. Um, what did you think of the Starbucks support supporters anti-VAR protest? That's from the Journeyman at TJM podcast. And just by the way, just by the way, if you haven't seen that video, we, we posted it on our Twitter account. Steve, and I believe it's close to a million views. Uh, got, when we went viral, I mean, hashtag sort of like flames emoji or whatever. Like we we we've we've gone viral. Um, so if you haven't seen the video, obviously you're going on Twitter at Nordic Football. But in short, Starbucks supporters bought a ticket for this match, um, or had a season ticket when the game started. In the process of VAR, they walked out of the stadium, um, and I believe Hamcam have done a similar thing this weekend. And of course. It's definitely touched the nerve because we're, you know, there were so many retweets, people saying like they should do this in the Premier League, fans should walk out. Like it's clearly a very touchy subject. Um, what do you, what do you think? What did you think about that, Steve? And I don't know if you have any other comments about VAR, but the journeyman, thank you very much for your question. It's, it's, the journeyman's put me on the golf course here because he's teed me up really high, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> what did I think about the the protest? I loved it. I absolutely think it's about time um, it was done. But the, let's talk about the reason this was, was actually done in the first place. It's because of, really, I think that the final, the straw that broke the camel's back was the terrible decision that Starbeck had against Sanderfield, which we talked about in the previous episode, actually. A goal which was disallowed for no real apparent reason, but it took like five or ten, well, not ten minutes, but about five minutes for the decision to be made. And I think fans are getting fed up with VAR across the world, really. Um, but I feel like the Scandinavian folk are always a set of people who will act on on stuff, a bit like the French in a way. <laughs> um, if they don't like something, they will they will vote with their feet. They'll vote. They will they will protest. They will make things uh, heard. And and fair play to that. It's like if you imagine, could you imagine that being done over? Here in the Premier League, I don't think fans have got the bollocks, to be honest. No, um, I really don't. Exactly. Um, so I think it's fantastic to see because yeah, VAR at this point in time has not worked very well 
in the elitist area, and it just hasn't. I don't think anyone can really say it has. So, yeah, I think it was a good uh, th- uh, thing from the Starbucks supporters, the Hamcam supporters. There may well be more as well. Um, I mean, I just this weekend I was watching some matches in Denmark, and I couldn't believe some of the decisions, the harshness of it. Look, it's a debate for a whole. We could do a whole show on VAR. We need we need to do it, don't we? Like we need to get in two or three guests and we actually talk about VAR properly. God, please no. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And you know to be fair, I mean. We, have, we have a question. We have a question from Wasson Oscar Hall coming in part two. Calma mm. VAR questions. So um, yeah, you know, like you say, it's it's a hot topic. Yeah, it, it really is a hot topic, and I don't think we're going to see the last of it. And I do wonder, you know, whether um that. The, could there be enough pressure put on the 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 Norwegian FA that they got rid of VAR? I I I mean, it seems almost unthinkable. We all, we've always said, "Oh, VAR is here to stay." Now, put it this way, right? But, put it this way. Maybe like obviously we we've done the VAR discussion, and we probably we're probably going to just do it again in part two. But let me ask you a different like different question. Well, how do you think this plays out? Because if you if you actually think about it, right? Imagine if every single Norwegian team was like, right, we're not going to games anymore. Until VAR scrapped, right? VAR is a FIFA dictate, right? It can't be like we are basically commenting on the the last two leagues who actually have some sort of like anti-VAR like solidarity. There's no VAR in Sweden, and by the reaction to that video from Swedish fans and even Danish fans, you know, if VAR is introduced in Sweden, I mean, we're going to talk about ARK Malmo in a minute. I'm not even sure we're going to complete 90 minutes in some games. Um, So, how do you think this actually plays out? Because Obviously, from a regulatory standpoint, it's quite difficult to get into the, you know, the fundamentals of it. But this is just an impossible situation, right? The VAR is going to be introduced in both leagues eventually, right? There's not, it's not going to. FIFA aren't going to back down and say, okay, we'll let, we'll let Norway and Sweden not have VAR, but every other league in the world or UEFA does. So how how would you actually see this playing out from your point of view? Because imagine if Norway did scrap VAR now, the precedent that I would set for other leagues, fans, especially like you just mentioned, they're France. I'd imagine they'd be on it like a flash. So, yeah. How does this actually play out, like in your mind, from here? I think it's a wake-up call for VAR across the world. I I think the system. We're never going to get rid of it. I think it needs refining, and I just wonder if this might be the wake-up call that it needs in in some fashion. I, I feel like eventually, in ten years' time, where are we? We're probably a system which is a lot more um, accepted. And we've probably got to a system which works. Look, it did take you know the likes of tennis, cricket, several years to get to where they are now. Where, not saying everyone's happy with it, but they're a lot more uh, satisfied with it. And I, I think that's what will happen with VAR. But you know what soccer's like, you know what football's like. Um, it all, things always take forever, don't they? <laughs> and um, but I tell you what, if, if if the Norwegian FA suddenly said, "Okay, we're scrapping VAR," my word, that would be a strong message, wouldn't it? And it would. It would make other fans from other countries perhaps interested in um, you know, staging their own protests. So this could be, if FIFA are not careful, it's a can of worms that they need to close very, very quickly. Can of worms. And as anyone who's ever tried to eat a can of worms knows, it's not very pleasant. And it's not something you can do too quickly either, I'd imagine. So um, we'll leave that discussion there. But if you've got a thought on it, we had loads of comments tweets so thank you so much for engaging in that debate because it was very interesting obviously like i said million views on our on our little uh twitter account but um 
we're going to move on to two teams that, as I mentioned, that we we do need to talk about, and then we're going to have a quick discussion, a quick fire round on Obos. Uh, Hamcam, Steve, uh, a big shout out to Tom and Dent. Uh, I'm sure is listening to this, and if you are Tom, you're due to WhatsApp me at some point and tell me how things are going. Um, you might be even due a return to the pod, isn't it? Every a yearly sort of uh, appearance. But um, what's going on with Hamcam, Steve? They sort of um, seems to be picking up form. Well, I suppose this is a good time to actually talk about the bottom of the table. You know, it's area, the bottom five or six at this point in time. Allison are on seven points. Sanderfield on ten. Ballerenga on on eleven points. I think we'll save them for another day. Um, Hamcam though have now won their last three games to move up to sixteen points. Tarbeck, who they've just beaten, are on sixteen points as well. And Hargersund, who well continue to find a way to get results every now and then, are actually on eighteen points. So. Um, Cam, three wins in a row. I, I don't think too many people saw this coming, Jonathan, because they lost, I think it was something like nine out of ten league games. Um, with, it might have been eight out of nine, actually, with only a nil-nil draw in the middle of it. Um, so they looked like they were kind of gone, really, a bit. It, it happens in, in football. Teams just go on these runs and they can never get out of it. But now they've won three in a row. And... Um, you know, fair play to them. I think you've got to give a, a lot of uh, credit to the mentality of the team. The last two fixtures in particular against Sarpsborg and Starbeck, you could say they've maybe been second best in both games. But they found ways to win both games 3-2. Um, you know, they've, they've scored goals at the right times in games. They've managed to be mentally strong when needed. Um, and also, they, they've took the ball by the horns when they've needed to. Um, they were one all against Allison with 10 minutes to go, scored a winning goal. They were 2-0 up against Starbeck, dragged back to 2 all, scored in the 94th minute to win. So they have taken the ball by the horns in both those games. They went to Sarpsborg. Yes, Sarpsborg missed chances, but Hamcam went there to create their own opportunities. So I think it's a great comeback from where they, they were you know, it looked like them and Sanderfield and Allison were in going to be the bottom three. Uh, but now they've come out of it with three wins in a row. I think it gives them a new perspective on things. And, you know, they put pressure on on, on those, certainly Sanderfield, Allison below them. Volarenga under pressure as well. I don't think they'll go down. I think, don't think anyone thinks Volarenga are going to go down or even finish in the bottom three. But we have seen big teams go down before. So, um, yeah, but I've been pretty impressed with Hamcam's mentality. And I want to congratulate everyone associated with the club on, on those three wins in a row. Yeah, congratulations. It sounds like they're on the up. Um, the table's looking a little bit nicer for them as well. Um, let's move on to Odd. This team you, you don't speak about too much. Uh, yeah, now I'm wondering why I actually put them on the itinerary <laughs> no, I because I don't know what I... <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, Odd. Um Oh, what can I say about them? They have, I have watched their last Decent goalkeepers. Yeah, and they've got a veteran right back who is back in form, Espen Rude, who must be about 50 by now. You need, uh, I think he's about 50, 39 or 40. But um, what is it about this guy? He's like, he's like eternally young. When, when you think we've written him off, he came, comes back and he scored. 20 fantasy points in one game against Arlison. Two goals and an assist. Um, he's still on the set pieces and he scored the winner against Volerenga at the weekend from the penalty spot. And he loved it. I, like, 
you know, you'd think someone at his age has seen it all, you know, but he celebrated wildly like he was a teenager, which was great to see, really. And um, this odd team, you, like I find them really difficult to predict and you, you don't know which version of them is going to show up. They can be anything on the day. Um, but over the last year and a half under Paco uh, Johansson, they have played some good football at times and they're, they're in a good run again. I just feel like they're in the mid-table, but we never talk about odd, do we? Like ever, I just, just don't know what it is. We just never really, apart from Valstadt, <laughs> we don't ever yeah, really like say an awful lot. Bromby, is that correct? Well, I, I think the, the latest seems to be that's his destination. Um, and he's been linked with, I know it's the old proverbial thing, but literally more clubs than Tiger Woods. Um, you know, I think he was going to Troyes in, in France at one point, which should have been interesting. But um, well, everyone knows he's a top-class goalkeeper. And... Um, I suppose that is, I mean, that is a step up, isn't it, to the Brundby, big club in, in, in Denmark. So um, I don't know the latest. I mean, there's so many transfer rumours and stuff now. I don't actually know the latest in that particular deal. It would be a big loss for Odd, but their, their veteran uh, Espen Rue showing that it's not always about the youth, eh? <laughs> yeah, good stuff. And hey, there's nothing wrong with being in the, uh, yeah, that sort of age. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, let's move on. <laughs> Steve, uh, Tell us about the Obos League. This is the second division in Norway, by the way. Um, I'm conscious of time because we are sort of pushing the 45-minute mark, maybe. Um, we've still got part two to come. So uh, let's keep this fairly brief. We could maybe have a longer discussion in the coming weeks because they're on a summer break at the moment. But just give us an overview of where we are in that second division because it's, it's a league that sort of started to take your interest lately, hasn't it? It has. I, I think the standard in Obos has got better in the last couple of two or three years. So that's why I've taken more of an interest in it. And they are on this summer break. If anyone's listening who knows the reason why no matches have been played between the 2nd of July, sorry, the 9th of July and uh, the 4th of August, then do let me know because I'm baffled um, why in the middle of summer you don't play any matches in your second tier on, I mean, actually more than, more than half the pitches are artificial in this level now, but it doesn't make sense to me. I'm sure there's a reason out there somewhere. Do get in touch if you know it, but I'm really interested in, in the league this season because one of my, um, I'm not going to call them one of my favourite teams in Norway, but one of the most intriguing clubs in Norway could be online for a promotion, and that is Frederick Stat, who have, have one of the biggest club stadiums in the country. Um, I think only I think it's like the third or fourth biggest in in Norway, and this is a massively well-supported club who have been in in bad times in the last five six years. Um, there's interesting they're up in second place. They're unbeaten after 15 games. They've only conceded seven goals in 15 matches. Had quite a few draws in that, but they are in second place, just behind Kongs Vinya, who are managed by a former guest of the podcast, Vegard Hansen who is Mjöndalen manager for about 15 years. So there's a really interesting story there. Hansen, he's like, who, who, who was the manager in over here? He always used to get promoted from the Championship to the Premier League. Mick, Mick McCarthy sort of thing. Um, a couple of others yeah, as well. Steve, yeah, Warnock, Bruce. So I think that's Vegar Hansen's definitely the man to get you out of Obos, isn't he? Um, so they're doing really well. That's an interesting story. And then you know, there's a, a few bigger teams like Christiansen, Start. Randheim, Mjöndal and perhaps Sanyas as well, were not doing as well as they would want this season in that league. So uh, it's an intriguing story. 16-team league um, and there's always plenty of goals and plenty of action. 
top of the league at the moment uh, is, is actually Fredrikstador. Kong's Vinia by two points. 31 right. points for them. Fredrikstad 29. We've actually got Songdale managed by former Chelsea striker Tor Andre Flo is um, in third place. They're quite an attacking team, as you might expect. Christiansen, who I think are the best squad in the league. They're in fourth. I think they, they've got a... Normally, this league is dominated by one or two teams. It could be the most exciting Obos in a long time. There's about five or six teams genuinely in the mixer for the top two spots. So I think it's a fascinating conclusion. I mean, Brand won this league on about 80 points last year. Um, in the, you know, Arlison used to win this every year by about 70 points. It could be, you know, really could go to the last game, you know. So I think there's a lot of even teams in it. And um, there's, some, there's some really good football being played in Obos these days, Jonathan. It's an underrated yeah, league. It's getting better. Testament, testament to that is the um, departure of one of Mjondalen's players to, to Groningen. Um, yes. I believe he's the league's top goal scorer. Can you just tell us a bit more about that? It seems, obviously, there's a few eyeballs on Obos these days from foreign teams. I think, I mean, this is unusual. I mean, anyone good um, would normally, from the Obos, would go to Elite Yusserian or another Scandinavian country. Just the way it, it kind of works. So for him, um, Lien is, is is the name of the... Uh, Christopher Lien, I think. I've never actually really seen him play much, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, straight to Groningen, um, which, I mean, obviously they must see something in him that makes them want to bypass... Um, Christian, sorry, Christian Sturmland Lien uh, has gone to Groningen, and I think they paid not far of half a million pounds for him, which is a fairly significant fee for a uh, an Obos player. I mean, Mian Dahl only signed him this time last year from a team called Floy, so he has rapidly uh, come up, uh, you know, 21 year old, and he scored 10 goals this season in Obos. Big step up to Eredivisie, but. Obviously, this guy's developing really, really quickly. And uh, you're 100% right. There's a lot more eyes on Obos than there ever used to be. Yeah, and he's joint joint top scorer in the league. I think he's ahead of uh, the, the other scorer on non-penalty goals because he hasn't scored any penalties. Uh, Lean and... Um, Benjamin Stocke got, is the other one. I think, yeah. think Groningen got relegated, so I, th- I believe they might... Oh, are they? Them. Then, all right, okay. Yeah, but... Um, Either way, it's like you said, it's that's quite a big fee for an Obos team. So we'll just wrap it up. Like uh, off the top of your head, three talents that you think uh, the next sort of lean is going to get sold, maybe um, from the Obos league. Is there anyone that we should be listening to and keeping our eyes on in the in the second half of the season? Um, you've got me on the spot there. I can't really give anyone. I need to do more research on that. But what I will say, I've noticed that there's often quite a lot of loan players that come down into Obos from, say, Elita Serian or even from other parts of Scandinavia um, who develop their game and do really well. And uh, I think Start, for example, I think they've got... They Start had uh, the lad who used to be... Oh, the guy who moved to Amia from uh, Jack Lane. And they yeah. had him for the season. And Lane broke his leg, I think, first game of the season. Scored a goal oh, and broke dear. his leg. He has so, no luck. He has no look at all. So they ended up having to bring in um, some good low knees uh, in attack. Uh, and this is what happens in Oba. It's a good breeding ground now to develop your game, certainly offensively anyway. And um, I will come back with some talents to watch in the next show, actually, for you, uh, Jonathan. Uh, not too many, obviously. but um, Yeah, I will, yeah just, uh, I will fill the gap with one that I, I sort of caught my eye a little bit. Uh, I think Samuel Pedro at, at Yerv 
seven goals in ten games. Uh, he's Portuguese, apparently. Portuguese, um, he yeah. Like a bit of, he's a former Benfica B player. He looks like a bit of a talent, I have to say. Uh, only 22 years old. So I'll bail you out on that one, Steve. But uh, I'm sure you know more about the league than me, that's for sure. But yeah, he's definitely one that has caught my eye at times, um, keeping an eye on Obos as, as, as we both like to do. So um, that'll do for part one. You've done a great job there. When we come back in part two, we're going to discuss Svedskan. Uh, and as we mentioned, they're going to talk about a few of the teams who haven't been spoken about. And you don't want to miss some of the discussions in this because it's going to get a bit fiery, literally, um, after the big game between AIK and Malmo. Um, we're going to talk about fan behaviour in Osvenska and what's what's going on there. So stay tuned. Join us after this break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan Fadugba. We're going to be talking about Swedish Ausvenskan now. I know Jonathan's pretty in a fiery mood today about certain uh, topics, which I'm going to absolutely prod him with. So, um, but first of all, we did end that last segment talking about the Obosl again. And the reason was that because we had a question from Big Sig at Big Sig 5, who uh, said he was looking forward to that segment. I hope you enjoyed it, Big Sig. But also... He asked a question, and he also asked a question previous week as well, which we didn't manage to get round to. What is the most significant transfer into and out of each league so far? So now, uh, it's uh, you can only pick one. I mean, obviously, with the Elitisarian uh, transfer window, as well as before you meant answer that, Jonathan, the transfer window in Elitisarian hasn't officially opened yet. So any sign there have been signings made, but no one will actually be coming until August first uh, and there'll be a lot more action then um in, in that respect Alsvenskan wise what what have you got yeah thanks to big sig love the twitter handle you've even earned yourself a follow so you know that's that's what patience brings you on the nordic football podcast so thanks for waiting obviously i think you asked it a few weeks ago maybe and we didn't get around to it so um the persistence has paid off and it's great that you got in touch again um i'm gonna give two answers for this simple like you've asked most significant transfer into the league um, in my opinion, so far, are we talking about this just this window, Steve? Or are we talking about the entire? I think season? this just this summer window, yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. All right, I mean that complicates it, but I'm gonna I'm just gonna say I'm gonna say Pontus Janssen. It's very early, so you can't. There's no stri- There's no player that you can actually maybe um, give that title to right now because I think it's quite early. But I'm gonna say Pontus Janssen just for the reason the AIK Malmo game, which we'll talk about in a minute. He hit the he hit the post with a, a late header and I thought he was dominating the air. Uh, ARK are quite a strong team in the air. I, I actually thought he physically dominated every single ARK defender. He made like the likes of Papadopoulos and Milosevic were big lads. He made them look like, he made them look like, you know, small men at, at certain times. He's a, he's a unit, Pontianza, isn't he? I didn't realise that at all. He is. Um, I think he's going to have a big impact on the defence Malmo at some point. So I think that they needed that security with Derek Cornelius out. Um, biggest transfer out, in my opinion, it's a joint one. I think Hugo Larson and Benny Traore are the two ones. Uh, Malmo have not been the same since Larson left. That midfield is totally un- un- unstable, and he's a massive reason why. He obviously got a massive move to Eintracht Frankfurt for about 11 million, 12 million euros. And same with Benny Traore. We talked about it in part one. I think that they're missing him already up front, um, and they didn't look the same in terms of their attacking cohesiveness against uh, Varnamo, so that's my answer. 
the most significant transfer out of Elite Serien so far for me is Christopher Bonsu Bar from Sarpsborg to Genk. And the reason for this for me is because of the price of it, 5.2 million. And I think that's significant because it just shows you a team like Sarpsborg can bring in a guy from next to nowhere in January. In fact, it wasn't even January. It was like February or March. Um, and they can make 5 million euros on him in the space of, what, five, six months. And I think that's something we, in the past, we've often said, you know, teams are getting players for, for really like cheapest chips at times. And you think, wow, how, you know, the, the, they're getting ripped off teams in Norway. Now I think there's a lot more money getting paid for, for these players. I mean, Vettelsen fetched nearly 8 million by, um, fight by Club Bruges. Now I don't know whether Belgian football suddenly got a lot of money, but 5.2 million for, for an 18 year old winger who'd only played for what, five months for Sarpsborg. I think that was, that really stuck in my mind as significant. I can't really give a significant transfer into the country yet because I don't think there's actually been anything official. So, yeah, on Subar. Yeah, and uh, anyone who actually listens to our Patreon will have known about Bon Bar because he was in your turn to watch, Steve, I believe. So a shout out to you again, uh, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast, player analysis, and also access to our, of course, our 10 to watches, which are quite popular every year and they're available to view now still uh, in video format. And Bon Bar is one of them who's, of, of course, left the league. Um, but yeah, thank you to Big C and let's get into Sweden. I'm, I'm excited. We certainly will. Yeah, um, Van Persie Enthusiast. Janu Zajchan. I know I pronounced that wrong, so I do apologise. I butchered that one. Um, asks, what did Elsborg do right to be this good this season? And this is a great place to start because we we have to talk about the incredible 4-0 win that Elsborg had against Jorgan at the weekend in, in Stockholm. So answer that question, Jonathan. Also, let's talk about this match. Yeah, it's another. Um, I think it's Yanazai, isn't it? It's a, that's a shout out to Adnan Yanazai. I think that's a Yanazai stand. But um, yeah, shout out to him. I've seen him ask a lot of questions or hit him or ask a lot of questions in the past. Really appreciate your support, Steve. I did not see. I did not see this coming. Uh, I, I couldn't. I can actually believe what happened. Um, obviously, there was a controversial penalty, um, which Uruguayan fans on Twitter were clearly very upset about. Um, you know, they they talked a lot about that. I've seen Ellsborg fans on Twitter calling um, Jimmy telling gold, Golden Jimmy. Might be a little bit premature, but they're getting excited. He's definitely becoming a meme. And you, you start to feel when t- a, a set of fans really start to love their manager, isn't it? You just you start to see the memes and you start to see the sort of songs and whatever, that kind of thing. You know, the... the um, I just don't think you understand all those sort of songs, don't you? If it was England, you know, the, 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 with the Arteta song and stuff like that. Um, but... Yeah, he's becoming a bit of an icon there at Ellsborg, and he's slowly building a ship, Steve. And this ship looks like it's going all the way to the gold. Um, because you'll go and have one of the best, if not the best, I think, home record in the league this season, you might correct me. Um, they're a solid team at home. I've noticed this season they get quite a lot of decisions at home as well. The sort of team that, if I was sort of equivalenting them in England, maybe you'd say like it's a bit like going to Anfield in a way or somewhere like that, where decisions tend to... As uh, Mr. Torstenson at Meowby might uh, say, got very vocal on Twitter. Um, decisions tend to go their way at times this season, I've, I've noticed. And, um, you know, they tend to do well at home. They beat Hacken, they beat Malmo at home, I think. Stevie, I think you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but 
Um, but Hellsford went there and just destroyed them. Absolutely destroyed them. First half blew them away. Game was over. And in terms of answering this question, what, what have they done to turn it around? It's just like, it's almost total football, actually. Yeah, what Elfburg are doing is is really, it's, it's very exciting to watch, I have to say. Um, you know, we slept on Elfburg for a few years, didn't we? And I, I've always said, Jimmy Tellin, he was so highly rated as a young manager at Young Shopping. And I, and I said at times, I, I didn't quite um, understand why. Just from my own ignorance, it's not like a criticism. It was just like, you know, um, he started this job at Elfburg sort of, up and down, but th- this season, Steve, he's built them into a complete unit. Um, the fullbacks can play. You've got Hull and Larson, just two experienced fullbacks who are just, let's be honest, they're way, way above the league level. They actually shouldn't be in Osvenskan, in my opinion. Um, obviously, they've got affinity to Elfsborg, and you know, I've said it in previous shows, they, they're both just like they're both just like Rolls Royces in this league, I have to be honest. Like Larson, I tried to hate him for quite a few years, Steve, as I saw him in your fantasy team. And I refuse to bring him into my team, but he's like he's like a Trent Alexander-Arnold, like goals, assists, clean sheets. The guy can do it all uh, in his in his stride. He's unbelievable. The centre backs, I mean, they were missing one of their main centre backs this week, and it didn't didn't really show. I thought that would be an if I thought that would be an issue for them. I thought missing one of their main centre backs might be a problem, and that's why I thought your guy might get something. But clean sheet. Um, you got in midfield. You got players like Andre Roma who can who can pass the ball about ping it. Um, Baidu's a decent player, and then you've got up front. They haven't even—they don't even miss like Jacob Andrejka. I mean, he started for um, he started for he moved to Belgium, obviously, and he started his first game, I think, at the weekend. And you wouldn't even know he's left Elspeth. You wouldn't, wouldn't miss him. Yeppe Ockles and Bernhardsen. I mean, I took Ockles out of my fantasy team. I'm massively regretting that one because I think he got 15 points. But you know, he, he's un- he was unbelievable, he's unplayable. And then up front, obviously, I still think they lack a, ma- a, a top striker. Really, I think Pear Freak and um. Ida Gudjonsson's son, I believe it is. Uh, Sven Gudjonsson is a little bit. I think if they got a top striker, I would fear. I would really fear for the rest of the league for, for the next year or two, because they're almost like I say, the complete side. They can press, they can sit deep, they get on your backs, like they don't give you a minute's rest. They they can pass it, they can get down the flanks, they can counter attack. Um, they're giving me Beko Hakan vibes actually in terms of how they're playing and just dis- dismantling teams. Um, so I hope that answers the question. But yeah, I think um, it's almost. I'd almost consider them title favourites now. I think I think the hurdle's going to be mentality. Like, can they continue this? Because obviously the week before, they had a wobble against EF Core. And I personally thought to myself, that like, maybe this might be, maybe they'll have a bit of a wobble now. They've got some tough games. They've got obviously Diff away and then they've got Hacken. And I thought maybe this might be where they start dropping points. But, you know, they go to Hacken this weekend and you'd almost consider them favourites, to be honest, like the way they're playing. So it's going to be, um, that's good. I think that's going to, I think that's, almost the title decider. I, th- I think if they beat Akin away, um, I think they're near, sort of, they're in the final third, if you know what I mean. But I think in terms of a statement win, I think if they, they've obviously got Malmo away coming soon as well. But I think if they beat Akin away, it's almost psychologically like, and they've got no Europe as well, I don't think so. You know, they're, they're flying at the moment. Well, it's interesting. Before this game, I was actually discussing... Uh, this match from a betting angle with a, with with an American colleague, and um, I, I like the goals in it. I liked over two point five. He didn't he, he didn't like the, the my my ideas. He was like, "You do know, Steve, that your garden have kept six clean sheets at home this season." Um, statistically, he's like he didn't think Elfsburg would score. But I was I don't know about you. Midway through watching this game, I was thinking this lot are going to win the Elfsvenskan. I was. 
I was. Uh, but the, then again, the previous week against uh, EF Core, they would they were not good enough. They 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 they, they struggled as a favourite. They struggled when the expectation was on their shoulders. So I don't know whether they just love being uh, preferred the underdog tag, where the pressure's off them, or maybe the EF Core draw was a wake up call. They've learned their lessons, um, and 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 that's going to be the approach that they have for the rest of the season. Because if that version of Oldsborg plays uh, regularly like that again, no one's going to touch them, in my opinion. Um, I was highly impressed with them. I think Jorgarten hardly had a shot on target in the whole game. I mean, that's remarkable. Like Defensively, Elfsborg can defend. They, can, they they really can keep it tight if, if they want to. And I think that's their biggest strength. So I've got to say they've, they've massively impressed me as well. Jonathan. I mean, just before we move on, what do you think happened? What went wrong in that EF Core game? Because a lot were saying, oh, it's a derby. Is it? Was it as simple as that, do you think? I think every team has a wobble every now and then. I didn't think they were that great. And that's going to be the big question now. It's going to be like, I think there will be games between now and the end of the season, Steve, where I think they, I still, I still feel like they're going to drop points at times. Um, I just, I, I, my, my final question about them is how do they handle that, that favourites tag? Because, like I said, if they beat Hacken uh, this weekend, they're going to be seven points clear um, with a game in hand on Hacken. And obviously, depending on the Malmo result, they could be seven points clear of Malmo as well. The four points, they're top of the league by four points right now. And we're running out of games now. You know, there's only 13, 14 games left. They play Malmo away on the last day of the season. Might be over by then. Title might be over. So it's quite a tough one to call because I, I, I still feel like I still feel like the, the the pressure tag might get to them at some point. I feel like there might be a couple of games where they unexpectedly drop points. I can't see them just winning ten in a row, or whatever. But like you said, the way they're playing at the moment, I, I didn't think they'd. I didn't think they'd score against Yogarden. To be honest, I thought it might be maybe like a one-two-one Yogarden or one-all at best. Maybe just a narrow one with a win for your diff. So you have to really take into account the how impressive that is. Um, an interesting side note on that match: uh, it was Rami Kaib's debut for Yogarden. Obviously, he's, been, he's the left back who's been bought to replace Elias Anderson, and he actually, but he's a former Elfsborg player. And before the game, he said in the post his pre-match interview, he said, "It's a wonderful occasion to be playing my former club." I don't think he felt that at, <laughs> at the end of that game because. Um, not a great debut against his former team. He, he he got he got the run around basically, and so did the the rest of that team. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned Steve that you were watching the beginning of this match. I mean, they were, they were three 0 up by 40, forty-two minutes, um, total domination. And um, I don't even think Kim Bergstrand turned up to the post-match press conference. I think he sort of sent his joint manager. So that pretty much tells you everything you need to know. I think he was fuming. So um, yeah, really good week for Elfsborg, and obviously we're going to talk about Malmo in a minute. Um, and you know they've dropped point, more points as well. And a really killer result for for your garden. If your garden had won that game, some might say they're back in the title race. Even so, really, really disappointing from them. They were just completely pulverized, though. Didn't get near them. Couldn't lay a glove on on Elfsborg in this game, which was pretty sensational from uh, Elfsborg's perspective. It was a bit of a weird round in terms of results in in our Svenskin. There was a lot of low scoring games. Um, in fact, only one match both teams scored in, and that was the Monday fixture, Sirius Mialbi. We're going to talk about that, actually, a bit later. But um, there were a couple of nil-nils, and one of them was uh, Aikor against Malmo. And, uh, well, here we go again. I mean, this feels like Groundhog Day, doesn't it, really, in terms of crowd situations, matches being abandoned halfway through and then resumed. And I mean, this seems to be a continual theme 
in certain Asvenskan games, uh, smoke everywhere. <laughs> Tell us the story behind the fixture. And, and also, what did you make of the football on show? Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons we love Swedish football, uh, Steve, is because it's, it's it's the passion of the league. Like, you can never take away the TIFOs. And, you know, there's, there's an element to love about the flares and the fireworks. Like, you can't, you can't I feel like you can't remove that. But but I think you also have to measure it to a certain degree. Like, I feel like, I mean, there is a long-running battle between Swedish fans and, like, the police and the authorities in, in Sweden. You know, you mentioned that kind of rebel streak. Um, maybe some Norway fans with VAR there's a definite rebel streak in in swedish football fans like they 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 there's a long-running battle against the sort of the, the authorities trying to clamp down on fan behavior um and i sort of side with the fans on that to be honest like i think that football's an expression of of passion joy um but i do also think that fans have a bit of a duty to not just not go over the top maybe and not um you know maybe just sort of i'm not going to say respect but keep in mind that there's other fans who aren't necessarily, you know, as, as, as vocal in that sort of thing. And, you know, they don't want to be sitting there waiting for half an hour delays every week or whatever. It seems to be with AIK, I, I can think off the top of my head of at least four, four or five occasions in the last year or so, maybe two years since we've been doing this podcast, like where games have been stopped, games are nearly abandoned. Um, you know, the, you, the, the, the uh, Dual Garden AIK derby in May, that ended in a similar way, f- f- fans throwing things onto the pitch. Um, I believe in this match, this was all started because I think a banner, I think a Malmo banner was stolen by ARK fans um, and basically unveiled by their fans. Um, you know, that kind of like, you know, that kind of like ultras. There's that ultras culture, isn't there, of like stealing other fans' memorabilia or stealing their flags and stuff like that and kind of um, parading it in front of your fans to sort of say like, we're the dominant for, we're the dominant, um, you know, we're the dominant ones in that fan rivalry and of course the two two huge clubs um i think that's pretty much what happened basically you know fans ran onto the pitch um i, th- I have to say the security at friends arena sometimes i'm like what is going on because there was one guy Steve, who, who had like his, he had his sliders on you know like when you you know like when you're doing odd jobs and you put those like plastic little bags on your feet to sort of like keep your carpet clean or whatever yeah. he had two sliders blue sliders on and a little sort of like dennis the menace sort of uh balaclava on his head black and, and yellow and a few pounds on him and he's charged through the security he's smashed into one of the police who's just fallen on the floor uh, a female policewoman um he smashed through another one and just basically ran onto the pitch like it wasn't even that difficult i think i think you'd have more trouble getting through i don't know customs at a, a children's tea party than, than getting onto the pitch at, at the friends arena you know it's a bizarre situation but um yeah, the CEO of AIK said this is a failure that we it's turned out like this. Malmo have said we'll take full responsibility for, you know, any punishments that are dished out. Um, the game was nearly called off. It, it it was delayed for at least 30 minutes. I think we had a friend of the pod was there as well at the game and he sort of DM'd us and said what had gone on and things like that. And, you know, Henry Reestron came afterwards and said, uh, you know, he hates the, the, the gunshots and the fireworks and that kind of thing. He says, I hate it. I'm terrified of the gunshots. Um, but he obviously was saying he needs to focus. It, it really did kill what had promised to be quite an exciting game, actually. And you know what I've noticed, Steve, as well? Um, one one thing I've noticed, like, there's two things I want to say about this. Number one, I don't get why games just, like, at some point, they're going to have to say when this happens, like, hey, okay, you're the home side. You've lost 3-0. Like, you forfeit the game. Like, you get to a point, game forfeit, see you later. Like, I feel like 
that's what's going to have to happen at some point with someone because maybe like maybe like a traffic light system if, it, if this happened three times because you don't want to see the players punished as well the management but i almost feel like there's nothing else that's, well what else is going to actually change this and you know it could get dangerous like there, there is a safety issue the other thing that i found um quite quite strange about it steve is like the it, it really ruined the game that had a lot of potential to be a good game and one thing i've noticed about ark when they sort of like have these incidents the tempo of the match after the restart is completely flat there's loads of i've noticed there was loads of empty seats in the stand you know there's still a good there's still a good 20 30 minutes to play massive game for henningberg he's new manager do you know what i mean that like they would have been well up for that match i would i thought i actually fancied ARK to win this game and they were sort of building momentum they weren't amazing i thought malmo were a better team in possession they had better possession play um but ARK were in the match and i, I felt like once you know, they were building sort of some, some momentum and then after the restart, it's like the, t- the entire atmosphere is flat. There's no cheering from AIK fans. Half the fans, have, at least a good chunk of the fans have left or been relocated or chucked out or whatever. It just, I just felt like the tempo completely dropped. And I was like, this this doesn't actually benefit AIK as a team. Like, it's not it's not benefiting the, the team. I saw Malmo were, were the far better team after the restart and nearly nearly won. Pontus Janssen, as I mentioned, hit the, hit the post. And um, Nassi had a quite a good shot that nearly went in. So I just wonder from an AIK point of view, like if, if they're not going to clamp down on this themselves, like at some point, you have to wonder because there's a sort of pride about it, and I think AIK, a lot of AIK fans seem to be sort of quite loving it, to be honest, and enjoying it. But I was thinking to myself, you're in a re- you're in a relegation battle, like you you know, I do get that side, the fan side of it. Don't get me wrong, I'm not someone who's like some curmudgeonly guy who wants to sort of rule that out. But I just felt like you know, for other fans who are just sitting there, pay their ticket, and you know, want to get on with their day or whatever, it's a bit. I don't know. I found it a bit strange. I agree. I think this is a continual theme with especially the Stockholm clubs, especially AIK. I mean, you're right about the security. Um, be a prime spot, wouldn't it, for just stop oil to get on the pitch? They'd have no problems getting through there. Um, they, they really would, literally would. And I agree. I think after the restart, there was a flat atmosphere, and Malmo probably should have won the game. There was one really good save from Norfolk. Can't remember who had the shot. About the seventieth yeah, minute, I thought that was it, and it was a sensational save. Um, and in the end, I think Malmo probably should have won the match. But yeah, this is getting a bit tedious now. I think in Holland, the clubs are on a last warning for this sort of stuff. You know, the incidents that go in like Feyenoord, Ajax, and PSV, Ajax, whenever they play. I'm pretty sure that the next time it happens, that there's going to be zero tolerance from the authorities. The match is off. If there's a delay, you're not coming back on. Now, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of the match result. I think the match might end up getting replayed, potentially. But or if it ends up like points, sanctions and stuff, the only other thing they can do is not have any away fans in at all for for these fixtures. That That's the only thing that can change and may well have to no, change. No, I would hate that. That's like France. I, I, I really hate that. Well, that's what they have to do in France, you know. Yeah, they've had to. So, I don't know. Because you, you can't keep... This can't keep happening, can it? Because it is bit too regular for you know for, for nothing to be done so a shame just a bit just gone a bit over the line that's the problem isn't it you know there's a line well, I mean, and the, the problem is, too much the problem is the point didn't suit either team no. I, I felt there was a game to be won there i thought that both teams could have won that match and really kick-started like their the second half of their seasons um and okay have looked slightly improved in recent weeks obviously beating viaberg last week but you know still they're still getting under the the new management they've got a lot of new signings to bed in they needed like a statement win against the malmo to really get out properly get out of that relegation zone 
And for Malmo, Steve, there's two points dropped that they, you know, they need that win. I mean, I think Pontus Janssen came out post-match and said, you know, we, we need wins. I don't think he's won a game since he joined the club. So, um, the, like we just discussed Elsborg, they're, they're falling away in Malmo at this point and the, the season's threatening to get away from him if not careful because, as I mentioned, uh, Big Sig's question, they, they do miss last. They do miss Larson in that midfield. They do miss Anders Christiansen. Um, Keith Tellen's gone a bit flat. Like the the player who you mentioned had that shot. That was Jorgensen, the new signing, obviously from Denmark. I think it was his first start. Um, and he looked decent, but you know they they are a bit. They're not firing on all cylinders right now. That was a real chance to sort of go and win the game and and sort of carry carry on your momentum. Didn't suit either team. I thought that 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 all that fan stuff. Um, and ultimately could come back to haunt both sides. Imagine if AIK end up in the relegation playoff because of because of one point or whatever, two points. So could come back to haunt both sides. It certainly could. We will move on now to um, a question from Varsan at Oscar Holt nineteen ninety one. Appreciate this one. Uh, unsurprisingly, um, it perhaps is related a little bit to Kalmar. Uh, another round in Sweden, more controversial decisions by the referee. Do you think referees have a hidden agenda to get VAR to our Svenskin as well? Now, this is mostly in regard to Kalmar against Varberg match where um, former guest on the podcast, Ricardo Friedrich, got sent off. Um, I have my own opinions on this. I'll tell about it in a minute. But, um, I mean, this is also Kalmar beat Varberg 1-0. We've got a few things to say about this whole match in general, haven't you, Jonathan? Varberg in particular. Just take us through the match, take us through the incident. And then in terms of the VAR thing, um, is there a hidden agenda to try and get it in? Yeah, shout out to Wasson, of course. I'm sure he's, he's missing some Kalmar content this season. I know we've been a little bit more quiet on them than the Reedstrom years where we, we tended to talk about them almost every week, didn't we really? They were so good at certain times. The, the Henrik Jensen era is slightly slower. I think they, they're still going for that position in the game, but I think it's with a little bit less intensity. Um, I think I'm right in saying they've got the lowest XG in the league before this weekend. Uh, and obviously a lot of people, Captain Radjovic, I took him out of my team and I was I was actually worried at one point because I thought he's going to... I was, I, was, I, was, I was sort of floating between he's either going to get a hat-trick or he's going to blank, if you know what I mean. He's gonna, either he feels his boots or he's not. You know, he's on a bit of a scoring drought. Um, and you know, in terms of the flow of the game, Kalmar had the ball. They're quite, a, they're quite. I feel like they're quite. I feel like they're a slower version of Reesdrums Kalmar. Like they still got the same similar patterns of play. Still want to play through the third. Still play through the midfield. It's like quite nice to watch. But I feel like it's you know, it's like watching Kalmar last season on, you know, minus two speed or something like that. Just a little bit of intensity at times. They need to up the tempo. And I don't feel like they have that at the moment. Um, at, at times, sometimes when it works, it looks great. But I think they're still trying to find that balance. Um. But yeah, the key incident of this match, Steve, was obviously the, um, the sending off for Friedrich. He'd just come back from a sending off. He got sent off against Elsborg in that 4-0 defeat. <laughs> obviously, the difference between Elsborg going up down to 10, 10 men against... The difference between Elsborg having 10 men, uh, a man extra against Kalmar, and Varberg boys having an extra man against Kalmar. I mean, it's like the North Pole to the Amazon or something, the rainforest. I mean, I've never... Honestly, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. But basically, Friedrich has come off as. I mean, Friedrich is in a is in a. He's like an Andrew Onana type. He's he's a very offensive goalkeeper. He'll, he'll come out for a situation. He's, he's aggressive. He did it a couple of minutes before the the, the red card. Comes flying off his line. He'll, he'll charge out if there's any sort of ball over the top. He's he's not afraid to do that. And um, this one, he mistimed. Obviously, caught his man on the edge of the box, and the ref gave a red. I was quite surprised it was a red, but I could see the rationale behind it. 
some people, of course, I think Western tweets are saying he's died. It's a, it's a dive. Kalmar fans are furious. I saw a lot of Kalmar fan tweets. Um, discovered a few more Kalmar accounts actually from that because they were they were going mad on Twitter, um, calling out the ref, saying he's a disgrace and stuff like this. And for me, it's a 50-50 Reddit in my opinion. I think I could see the reason for it, but I, th- I think if that was if there was VAR in Sweden, we would have been sitting there for about two three minutes on that one, maybe five minutes. Um, and that at the end of the day, it's like, do you do you want that or do you not want that? I suppose that's that is the core issue here like you either want to have a five minute or massive loads of replays and, and get the right decision or you just allow the referee to make mistakes every now and then and we have a faster game um it did turn into a long delay actually because Friedrich was really unhappy he complained it was a long discussion he was fuming I think he went I think the other player was Brazilian as well so I think he went to him had a few words a bit like you know you, you've, you've done me there mate don't think he was pleased and um obviously the incident eventually came on but Steve I have to say I mean Verbo boys, they're fighting for their life. They've got an extra man, 10 men. Kalmar still dominated the ball. I've never, I've, I don't think, I've, I had to think to myself. I think there's only one other game I can remember where a team had 10 men and play worse. And I can't remember the actual game, but I, I can kind of remember the same anger, if you get what I mean. <laughs> like, I remember one incident a couple of years ago where it was similar, but they just did nothing with it, Verbo boys. I mean, even, um, I think it was Linton that came out after the match and said, we gave the game away. He said, "Like we just switched off. We weren't, we weren't bothered." Like he basically called out his players himself. He was just like, "We did. We didn't really care." Um, and that's how it looks, Steve. I mean, they didn't. It's probably the worst coach game I've I've seen. I mean, we talked about Degerfors a lot this season, but it, this was a poorly coached match, in my opinion. I know this sort of manager situation is very you know, up in the air with 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 um, Pearson leaving, but it, it, they just looked they just looked like they didn't not have a clue what to do with against ten men against ten men. They're too many men back. They still played five at the back against one striker. You've got an extra man. What are you doing? Um, they still allowed Camel to overload the midfield. It's like, you've got an extra man. What are you doing? Um, they seem to sort of have massive gaps between the defence and midfield. And I was just thinking, like, you, all you need to do is flood the midfield. You've got an extra man and just fill your boots. Like, you need to win this match. And then to go and top it off, I thought, okay, maybe they'll get a clean sheet and a point. It won't be a great result, but point's a point. And then out of nowhere, some clown... Steve. I mean, there was Maxime Sante, I think it is. He, I don't think he gave the pen away, but I was watching him during this match. He was like a bull in a china shop. He, he nearly, he should have probably got sent off himself. He was charging into players, just like totally needlessly just smashing into players and stuff like You've got an extra man just to have the composure. I know he's a young player, but he kind of epitomised Kalma. It was just like, they, oh, sorry, Varberg. It's like they don't, they were like, they, we don't know what to do against 10 men. And then out of nowhere, they go and give away the most stupid penalty you'll ever see. Like, no need at all for it. Um, and obviously, Seymour Scrab scores it and they win 1-0 Kalmar and they felt vindicated because of the, the referee situation. But, you know, for, to me, that was that was why the boys down for me. Like, that was the one game that you need a point here at minimum. You know, you've got tough fixtures coming up. Um, you need points on the board at this stage. Like, if you're really going to get out of this battle, they played really well against the F-Core away in the previous match. Obviously, should have won and conceded a soft penalty, in my opinion. It wasn't a penalty, in my opinion. But this was the time to get, you know, just build a bit of momentum, get a win or get some get 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 some points. Like they took off Radovic even. And it was like this Kamar didn't really have anything really. They were they were really struggling, even though they had a lot of the ball. But I just thought from Vibo, this was like a this was like a one oh one class in like how to co- how not to coach um a team that's got an extra man. It's like f- fear in their eyes. Um, no real someone just to put their foot on the ball and say, Listen, we got the extra man, we're just gonna pop it around. Just nothing really. And 
to me, that was the game where Varbert go down. Like, I still think they might battle for it. I, I don't think they're that bad. Maybe they've improved slightly in recent weeks. But I just think that was like they, the way they kind of just let the game go. It was almost like we're not massively bothered, really. Like, it's kind of like we, we, we're, we're accepting our fate, if you know what I mean. It wasn't like a roll your sleeves up performance. And um, I was really disappointed with Varbert, I have to say. Yeah, I agree with. I'm really struggling to see how Varberg can possibly stay up. Um, I thought they were really, really poor against Icor the week before as well. But uh, this red card for me, it was a clear dive in my personal opinion. I think it was really poor officiating. Um, also, now again, I, I've, I, I'm, I'm not one to profess to know the exact laws of football, the rules of football now, but there were three covering defenders at the time that Friedrich made the, the foul. Now, is it a, an absolute given and automatic that, that a, a goalkeeper has to be sent off, even if that is a stonewall foul, if there's covering defenders? Or a goalkeeper is like a different species uh, and they're treated differently? So, for me, there was a lot of doubt with, with that decision, but it didn't do Barberg any good, did it? I think Carl Talmar, it made them so angry. Uh, they played better after the red card. Um, Radjevic... I, I was one of those that captained him this week. I actually backed him any time to score. He did actually have a chance in the first half with a header, which I think he should have done better with. But he worked his socks off, socks off up front against um, a really physical team. And I think that's why he was taken off, because he put in such a strong shift. But, um, yeah, interesting interesting game there. With you actually make a really good point about the XG. That's incredibly low. Um, 0.95 XG per 90 minutes, second lowest in the league. Only Halmstad have it worse. That's worrying. They're just they're not creating enough chances, Kalmar, but they are up there in um in the table. It's sixth place. Yeah, sixth place. So are they kind of overachieving a bit? I think they are. I think there's a lot of teams. I mean, I couldn't believe when North Shopping got that late winner against Degafors that they they I think they're fifth. Yeah, North Shopping have fifth, yeah. I, I couldn't believe that. I was like, what is going on? Um I think from sort of fifth to ninth, tenth, there's a lot of sort of um you can draw straws really who finishes where I think I think there's a few teams that are kind of like you know they're nearly safe and it's kind of like just play out the season I feel um because I don't think North Shopping are the fifth best team in the league to be honest but but at, at the moment they are in terms of the table I agree with you on Kalmar in terms of I think personally with Radovic you put him in a good team if I'm if I was AIKL Malma I'd sign him tomorrow I think if you put service in his way he's gonna he'll, he'll be a serious player I feel like there's a real talent there but I just I, I don't think he gets the service so um, I think that's where it goes wrong for him a little bit. I think I still think at some point he's going to bang in the hat trick, but I feel like I really feel like he'd be a strong player. Like a, if Mal, imagine Malmo signed him. Like he's getting players, frustrated, don't you think? He's getting yeah, frustrated. Like, I watch him. Imagine him around the nasty sort of like yeah. Taha Ali. Like I reckon he's a, he's a proper he's a proper fox in a box, like number nine who can do all a bit of everything. Um, so we'll see what happens. Obviously, Wasson's not going to want us touting their players, but I think. Um, <laughs> I think it, it, he might be preparing himself for Europe because if, if there's some eyes on him in the European games, it would not surprise me if he gets a big move. But I, I just feel like he's a bit misprofiled, like he's gone on a long drought now. And I just feel like he's not maybe getting the service to justify the player he is. I, I still really like him. I think he's a top prospect. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. We, we're going to finish off the show by talking about two teams who don't get a lot of... Well, maybe sometimes they do get certain airtime on the Nordic Football Podcast. Certainly one, one of these teams doesn't get an awful lot. Um, 
Sirius against uh, Mialbi. Uh, I didn't actually watch this game. It was on Monday evening. Someone asked me for a prediction early in the day on a DM. And I said, nil, nil, don't bother watching it. Um, <laughs> but it, it turned out to be a cracker. A 3-2 win for uh, Mialbi. And um, it's uh, it's an interesting game, uh, Jonathan. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of it? Well, firstly, I hope over DM you didn't take that advice because, uh, yeah, it was a massive overs game. Um, I watched it and, I mean, I tweeted I tweet after the match. I, I think I worry for Sirius, actually, um, because they've got a decent manager. Um, I think he was a former Bromwell manager, got them promoted, and he's left, obviously, Chris, uh, Matheson. Um, and he's got them playing some quite nice stuff, actually. I think they I think he's onto something in terms of playing style. They're not that bad to watch. When it fires and when it works, they look very nice. Even They even gave, gave Ellsborg. They did a similar thing against Elfsborg, Steve. Like they, they kind of dominate them at times. And then they just conceded two late goals and lost the game. I think it was 4-3. And it was like all that effort for nothing almost. And I remember the manager, he dropped to his knees when the second, fourth goal went in. He was like absolutely devastated. Um, he was he, he looked so upset at the final whistle. He, you know, cre- he looked crestfallen. And, um, you know, he must have been feeling in a similar way today because Mialpi, they were okay, but they're just that solid team, aren't they? Um, they've obviously got Jacob Bergstrom, we'll talk about in a minute. One of my favourite players, probably in Osvenskan at the moment. But, um, yeah, I think I think with Sirius, Steve, you know, I just talked about the table there, sort of from 5th to 11th. Sirius is the sort of team, if, they, if they're not careful, they could get sucked into that relegation battle. Because I don't think, I don't think EF Core are down yet. I think there's going to be something to say for AIK and EF Core. And if you look at that table, you know, you've only got sort of Degafors really around there and maybe one or two others. But Varnamo are sort of starting to climb out of it. You know, that was a massive def- problem for a- EF Core, that, that Varnamo win, because they're nine points behind Varnamo now. And that's probably someone they think maybe they may be able to catch. So that's almost, that's going to be tricky. Um, and if you look at Sirius in the table, Steve, I mean, you'll tell me the exact position, but they're, they're, they're sort of falling into it. And they're not a team that can see out a result. I mean, the news broke tonight, Jamie Roche is obviously leaving. He's going to Switzerland, Steve. Or, um, he's following where you went on holiday. I think he's off to Lausanne, but I don't, don't know if you went there. But um, they... That you know, he he's someone in midfield who did a lot of dirty work and was quite rugged and I felt they missed him tonight. And um they're just quite porous and easy to play against. They 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 seem to do so much work, play so much nice football. You think to yourself, they've created four or five chances here, they should be click comfortable in the game. And they went one went one nil up, conceded a soft penalty, and then it was like kind of they went behind, they got back into it and then they went behind again, and it's like it's a similar feeling, you know, like they've made loads of effort in this match. They play some nice stuff. They look good. They've scored two goals. Like that, the patterns of play are not bad, but they've got, they've got you know, you leave, it's like the um, Anne Robinson, you leave with nothing. Um, so if, if they don't sort that out, because, you know, that's at home as well. And going away is different, isn't it? It's a different kettle of fish. So I feel like if they're not careful, they could get sucked into it because, of course, they're going to sell their best players. Um, Steve, they've got a young lad at the back, Malcolm Yang, I believe it is. He's just signed, I think, a five-year deal. He's 16, 17 centre-back, but he, you know, he made a howler for the last goal, and I have to say, I don't even blame him. If I was 16 playing against Jacob Bergstrom, you know, I'd be making howlers as well, because he must have been terrified, <laughs> the poor lad. You know, he's, he's barely old enough to go and watch, like, an 18-plus movie. Well, he's not. So, the, the, the sight of six-foot-four Bergstrom charging at you, probably was what made him make that error for the third goal, because he basically just gave the ball away and just ran out of the way, pretty much, of Bergstrom, and just said, like, mate, you, I don't want to get involved. Like, you you just take the goal and get out of my way, please. Um, so it was a really comical moment. I think he'll learn from that. But the point I'm making is when you're playing sort of 17 years at centre-back, like, they're going to make mistakes, and it's just like, do you accept that in your team? And it could ultimately cost them, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes it's a balance between 
trying to develop young players, but also realising that they're going to make mistakes and at times it's going to cost you games. And he did, he did make, unfortunately, the error that cost them the match. A very good win for Mialbi, of course. Um, that's actually the fifth time in a row they've beaten Sirius. So there's something about that matchup that they like um, against this Sirius side, who can be a bit soft sometimes, no doubt. But I watched them the previous week hammer Degaforce 3-0, and they could have had five or six. And when the football's good, it is very good. But um, there's always one team that gets sucked into it. Uh, even Degaforce this week, to be fair, actually did try and show some resistance. So... If they're not careful, Sirius might get themselves in trouble. Jacob Bergstrom, you're a big fan of him, aren't you? He's um, got something about him. Uh, big personality. Um, got us talking, didn't it, air about big personalities up in up in Scandinavia. Actually, I just want to kind of link it to a question as well that has uh, been submitted. It's a little bit slightly different. Um, who is the most underrated Alstavenskin player? And who is the most overrated? That was by uh, John Sebastian. But, yeah, I mean, does... Was- does um, you know, Bergstrom is he is he an underrated player? That's left field because that's coming in. That's coming before we've gone on air, isn't it? I think just just yes. as we've gone on air. I mean, that is that um, is one of those where I've caught you out a little bit there. But you're a if man. We've got time, if we've got time, we've got a question of if if Cole win the super, and but I think that's tongue in cheek <laughs> from uh, Marek Wadas. Um, I, I do like the question from also um, Jimmy Driver about which team you. Which player would you pick? For anyone in the world? So maybe ask me that to finish the show. But most underrated player in North Spence game. You thrown me with that one. I really have thrown you. You got anyone for Norway? Well, again, I might need a week to decide that. <laughs> yeah, you're underrated us, you're player. There's the always loads out there, isn't they? That that you, you think of, but off 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 the hand, then you just one of those you probably need about you know a good 15 minutes to think about really. Um, there was a great question from Jimmy Driver, like you said. Uh, but he said it's a bit of a fancy question. But if you could pick one player in the world to join Elite Serena Arsvenskan, who would it be and in which team would you put them in? I've got an answer for this one, actually. So I'll, I'll come I mean, back to the other one. But uh, I love this question. So I had to think about it. I'm going to put Anthony Langer in Beckel Hacken's team. I think he'd be perfect Benny Troy replacement. I think they would absolutely destroy or he would absolutely destroy Arsvenskan. I know he's obviously about to leave Man United, which is a shame because I, I do quite like him as a player, but it seems Ten Hag doesn't fancy him. But I could just see him at Beckham Hacken, like he'd fit in that front three. He'd be he'd be an absolute I, I thought about Haaland, but he's Norwegian, so I was like, I'll let you have Haaland, like surely. But um there's a bit of a left field one. I'm gonna pick Anthony Lange, he's Swedish. And um I feel like he'd really sue Hacken. He'd, he'd fill his boots, he'd be top scorer in the league. It would be beautiful to watch, and he'd probably get a big move to I don't know, Man United or Nottingham Forest. <laughs> You know, I'm actually not going to go Haaland. I'm going to go uh, Martin Odegaard at Glimt. I think he'd be brilliant there. The <laughs> technical, the technical uh, ability of, of Odegaard, along with his personality, actually, I think would really fit in with the Buda Glimt system. Um, he'd have a lot of fun playing yeah, like that. at Buda Glimt, wouldn't he? I mean, Haaland, you could put him anywhere. I mean, imagine putting Haaland in like the worst team. In uh, Imagine putting Haaland at Varberg Boys. How would they do? <laughs> Would he get match. anything? No. Nah. What would he do? Honestly, if you put Haaland at Vibert Boys in yesterday's match, he'd be under police charges for assault because he would 100% have physically assaulted at least four of those players because he would have been so frustrated about the lack of effort. He would have been fuming. You know, when you've got a really sort of like yeah. wants to win player, he'd have been going mad in that changing room. So <laughs> it would be quite funny, but I don't think he'd get much service, to be honest. Um, 
Oh, in terms of the most God. underrated player. You know what? I might actually say Bergstrom. I mean, his goal record isn't amazing. But the move to Jurgen just didn't work out for him. So I'm going to sort of like a little bit of, um, you know, sitting on the fence a little here because I'm just going to go back to talking about Bergstrom. But the move obviously to Jurgen has not worked out. But he, he is a handful. And like he, he will keep me out. Like maybe I'm going to go down. And he will get a lot, a fair share of goals. Like he's, he's a physical specimen. He's brilliant in interviews. He's like what Victor Advanson would dream about. I mean, if you see the interview you did after the game today, it was, it was, I don't even speak Swedish, Steve. And I was just listening, I was just watching it and laughing to myself. I couldn't even understand what he's saying, but I was just like, his facial expressions, like the interviewer was laughing. Do you know what I mean? Like he had this massive grin on his face. I read the translation post match for what he'd said. And apparently the Miyabi fans actually gave him a lot of stick and they booed him. Um, on his return to Mia because obviously it, it, it didn't work out at Jurgen. I don't understand why they signed him when they already had Advardsen anyway and two or three other strikers. He was never really going to get much game time, but apparently he's a massive Jurgen fan. So it was a personal dream for him. Um, he went back and obviously he got booed from the Miabi fans. But when he scored the goal, Steve, he, ju- he ran into the away and jumped all over them. And he was basically saying that, you know, he, he had to take a bit of stick. So he was like, I'm going to sort of make it up to them for that one. And big grin on his face. And uh, as I said before, Steve, I can never forget the time where he jumped for a header, smashed into the crossbar, and the whole goal frame came off worse than him. But the goal frame had to nearly be replaced. He broke he broke part of the goal frame. He's that much of a unit. And uh, as I say, I don't envy Malcolm Yang having to defend against him as a teenager because he's about literally three times the size of him. So um, <clears throat> I don't think he's the best. He's not like the best talent in the league or anything like that. He's, just a, he's a bit of a workhorse, but he's the kind of committed player He's the kind of player Varba could do with. Do you know what I mean? Someone up front like that who just really, really cares. Puts in a massive shift, 100%. He's a proper Torstensen player. I bet Anders Torstensen loves him. You know, I bet he really, like, respects him. His work rate is, is kind of... Oh, precision. Yeah. And, and he also he also just looks to me like he's... I bet he's really good around addressing him. You know what I mean? He strikes me as someone who's like... You want to go to training and just hang around him, if you know what I mean. He's someone like that who just spreads a bit of a doozy. Which, yeah. which you need if you're a smaller team. Do you know what I mean? Someone who's going to commit to it and... You know, not be sort of like um, negative if things aren't going your way. He looks like someone like that who's just has a bit of personality. He's got a cheeky smile. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'll say him for now, but I might come back to that next week. You know, we're talking about this, actually, on... Um, I was watching a bit of the Ashes, the cricket, recently, and um, Mark Wood for England is is that sort of infectious character. For those of you who follow a bit of cricket, I'm sure there's several listeners are saying, cricket, what's that? But, yeah, someone like Mark Wood. Infectious characters who are just great for dressing rooms. I'm going to go with a couple of underrated players in the Elitis area. I'm actually going to say Zlatko Tripic at Viking. Perhaps he, I mean, he is rated, I think, but perhaps not as much as he should be. And at Mulder, I've always liked Christopher Hogg on the left wing back. Everyone always bangs on about Martin Linez uh, on the other side. And Linez deserves a lot of credit. But I think Hogan, uh, sorry, Christopher Hogan um, is always there and chips in with goals and assists. I think he's actually uh, had a really good last 18 months. So that will that will do for this episode, Jonathan. It's been a bumper length Nordic football podcast. We've got through several, loads of questions, loads of topics. Um, and yeah, absolutely mammoth episode, mate. Yeah, a beast of an episode, but we've got a beast of a schedule coming up with Europe. Uh, so, of course, keep an eye on that. We've made our predictions. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, don't forget patreon.com slash Podcast for our um, bonus content. Of course, Aqua Adams, Benning Triore and other, other content. And, of course, um, the YouTube and uh, YouTube, obviously, Nordic Football Podcast. We'll search it and 
I think Twitter's called X these days, isn't it? It's been renamed, but um, you can find me on X at JF Football, I think, if they don't do anything else that makes me want to quit the site. And uh, obviously, you're at Meat Man Soccer. So, and obviously, the podcast is at Nordic Football. So, thank, thanks so much for listening. We really always appreciate your support. There's so many questions this season, haven't we, Steve? Like every week, it's like a lot. Yeah, thanks very to much. Pick out the questions because there's so many. Mm. So, I think the leagues are clearly getting bigger and stronger in terms of. I think I think people gravitate into the league, aren't they? Like, I feel like, I feel like. I feel like maybe some fans who were turned off the Premier League are a bit gravitating towards Scandinavia in some way. Yeah. A bit more organic, a bit more no VAR, obviously, in, in one of them. And I, I just feel like there's a few people who are sort of dipping their toe in the Definitely. in this world. So if you're a first-time listener, obviously you've done well to get to this point, but uh, do tweet us and let us know, you know, you, why you're listening and where you're from in the world, and I'd love to hear that. Yeah, thanks very much uh, for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll have to go now, but uh, all the best. Thanks. For your support, as always, uh, stay safe, take care of yourself. We'll see you next time. From myself, Steve Wiss, and the X Factor himself, Jonathan Verdugba, it's goodbye. <laughs>